Welcome to Threshold Stories, crossing thresholds one story at a time. I'm your host, Jeff Gora. In this episode, we discuss battling medical obstacles. You are not at the fitness you should have, and you're not even the person who you should be, but you don't have anybody whom you can trust to help you get there. What you're saying is you need a coach, and I might be your coach. I provide both instruction and explanation to help you reach your goals to overcome mediocrity, and I'll give you feedback along the way like any other coach. Most important thing I do, though, is get you ready for a big event. You pick the event, and I will help you get ready for it. I'm not a fit for everybody, but the only way to find out is to have a first interview. Go to our website, thresholdacademy.com, and select Contact Us, and let's schedule a first interview to see if I can help you go beyond your threshold. My name is Rachel Horn, and I'm a graduate of the Core Compassion Project with these survivors. And I'm standing here tonight to share my journey and how Core made me whole again. I'm unlike any other woman who's ever gone through the project. I've actually never been diagnosed with cancer. So let me explain. I'm something called a cancer previvor. Yesterday was National Cancer Previvor Day. Cancer previvors are individuals who take steps to reducing their risks of ever developing cancer. We're predisposed to cancer. It's hereditary, it's in my genes. When I was 27, I decided I needed to be tested for a genetic mutation that's basically raged war in my family since I was born, for generations maybe even before that. The gene is known as BRCA2, but it's probably more commonly referred to as the breast cancer gene. And despite what this name might suggest, it actually is an incredible gene and it doesn't cause cancer. It actually battles cancer for you. If your gene works right, it suppresses tumors. My gene is broken and it doesn't do that. It's known as a mutation. The genetic mutations present on my dad's side of the family, so a lot of women in this room and all over the world receive hereditary breast cancer from their mom. My mom's side of the family has no breast cancer history. And I assumed I wouldn't be a carrier of this gene because I look like my mom and I act like my mom. I am my mom. And after I did a quick blood test and genetic counseling session, I found out that that wasn't the case. You actually do inherit genes from your dad, too. It's true. You see, what drove me to test is my dad's side of the family's forever long battle with breast cancer. My dad had three sisters of his, or four sisters, excuse me, of his four sisters, three of them carried the mutation, BRCA2. Each one of them was diagnosed with breast cancer by the age of 33, and each one of them received multiple diagnoses. One of them receiving four diagnoses before, you know, treatment has evolved. My dad's youngest sister actually lost her battle with cancer at the age of 34. Being a BRCA2 mutation carrier in my family means that we are batting 100. We have a 100% batting average for developing cancer in our mid-30s, unless we intervene. So after discovering I carry this mutation, I did what every millennial in the room would probably do, and I buried it. I practiced the best avoidance behavior known to mankind. I couldn't deal with it. I had a sexy husband, an amazing son, and the perfect career. I couldn't possibly have something so unhealthy inside of me. And I would be the one exception in my family to develop cancer by 33. 
I'd convinced myself that I was untouchable. During this time, the smartest thing I ever did was get an oncologist. <laughs> Once you receive this news, you're like, well, what can I do with it? A lot. I decided I would at least, because I wasn't ready to face it head on, I would do something called heavy surveillance. So I would have an MRI, and then six months later, I'd have an M a mammogram, and then six months later, I'd go back in the MRI tube. Six months after that, I'd go back to have a mammogram, and every single time, they were abnormal. And that cycle would continue until we were done having kids. So life kind of went on after that. We welcomed our daughter, Evelyn Grace, into the world in January 2018. And while on maternity leave, I was finishing a nursing session and I went to hook my nursing tank back and I felt a lump and I froze. And the first thing I did, it's embarrassing, but I started counting until I turned 33. For the record, I was 30. Yeah, I think 29, I can't remember. But I was not there yet, and I wasn't ready to deal with this. So I happened to have my postpartum checkup that week, and I casually mentioned it to my doctor, and he casually told me to get dressed and follow him down the hall to Levine Cancer Institute. I was going to be sent to the principal's office, a.k.a. my oncologist, and we were going to see what was going on. The lump turned out to be a mass of tissue relocated due to breastfeeding. I escaped it, right? I escaped that scare. But sadly, this wouldn't be the last scare that I would encounter. Six months after this, I would have an MRI and it would show a mass on the back wall of my breasts against the muscle. It's almost impossible to detect. So these back-to-back -back, back -back incidents rattled me. They broke me down, they tore down my mental state and they showed me that I wasn't invincible. And it was time to face the truth that I probably couldn't beat my genetic makeup. And it was time for me to hear what my oncologist had been saying for the past three years. She'd been recommending a prophylactic bilateral mastectomy. And she wanted me to do this before I reached the age of 33. So if you remember, I tested at 27. I'm now 30 in this part of the story. So after I had my future rest in three biops, asked of this or the mass inside of my breasts, I think I was almost ready. And when my phone rang with a call from Charlotte Radiology, I did one of those things where like it happens on cartoons where you like throw your phone around trying to answer it as fast as you can. And the voice on the other end of the phone told me that all three samples came back benign. I was the proud owner of a benign tumor. And I thanked her for calling. And in my office at Atrium Health, I hung up the phone and I closed the door and I cried a lot like an ugly, wailing sob of relief. <laughs> but I, the crying didn't stop there. It, it kept on because I thought about all the women in my family who have walked a darkly different path than I have been fortunate to be on. And I knew I couldn't at that moment disregard what all of my family had been through, our history. So I decided to take away the breeding ground that cancer found so prosperous in my family. And I decided to not wait on cancer to knock on my door on before or after my 33rd birthday. So on December 31st, 2018, I had a preventative bilateral mastectomy. So life after a double mastectomy isn't easy as most of you in the room probably can attest to. Your body is foreign to you. Tasks as simple as walking are now as difficult as running a marathon. With a mastectomy comes so many restrictions. I had a daughter who turned one three days after my surgery. 
I didn't get the opportunity to hold her on her first birthday, but because of this decision that we made, I'll hold her hand on her wedding day and maybe get to hold her daughter on her first birthday. So around this time, I was asked if I would consider applying for the Core Compassion Project. And I eagerly filled out the application for the programming, assuming I would never be accepted. Part of me assumed I wouldn't be accepted because I'm a pre-viver. I haven't walked the path that these amazing women sitting at my table have. And the other part of me assumed that I wouldn't be accepted into the project because I, I didn't need it. I was okay. I didn't think I needed help to recover from a double mastectomy. I've always considered myself to be strong and obviously prideful, right? <laughs> Growing up, I was a competitive swimmer. I actually had a full ride to, schol uh, to scholarship to swim at school. Um, but after college, I got into running. I work out. I felt like I was healthy. I actually trained for my mastectomy. I was prepared for this. I even went to the gym one week after my mastectomy. I lasted 10 minutes on a stationary bike, and then I went home and took a two-hour nap. As I said, I'm a, I'm a prideful person and I'm a bit of a recovering perfectionist. I like things my way and I don't ask for help often. I'm stubborn. I learned very quickly after a mastectomy that you have to learn to rely on other women. You can't do this on your own. And the walls of pride fell as I received a phone call from a dear friend, Miss Linda, informing me that I had been accepted into the project and I was gifted a full scholarship covering the full financial aspect of the program. On the last day, or on my first day, I walked into Core Compassion, or Core Studio Pilates, and I was nervous, really nervous. I've never done Pilates. As I said, I've been an athlete forever, but I've just never done it. So I knew, to, knew, I knew I needed help physically, but I didn't know how much help I needed mentally. My instructor introduced herself, and I wish this bright light wasn't here so I could see her. Her name is Laura. Is she hiding in the back? If I could describe Laura in one word, I know she's holding breath, it would be methodical. And I don't think she'd ever use this word to describe herself. As she gently took the measurements for my range of motion, I felt the tightness and that all too familiar feeling, I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about, that pulling, that, that tearing feeling. Laura gently squeezed my shoulder and reminded me that this is a journey, this is a process. It would take the full 10 weeks, if not longer, to loosen me up and try to get some range of motion back. I thoroughly believe that she knew by the time I walked out the door on my first session, that my mental state was probably more fragile than my chest was. But by the third session, Laura knew that she had to remind me to leave the stresses of life at the door. The hour at core was for me and it wasn't for anybody else. I deserve this time to focus on healing physically and mentally and spiritually. I think most of us assume the biggest setback you're gonna have after a mastectomy is physical. I myself thought that as well. But nobody talks about the hit you take mentally when going through this process. As I said earlier, tasks that were second nature before the surgery now made me second guess everything I did in a daily, on my daily life. Something as simple as I said, I had a daughter who's one reaching behind my car. 
the car seat to help her do something. I couldn't. She would have to cry until I could stop. Something as awkward as carrying a four-year-old, my other son, my son. I was afraid I would pull or tear something. I think you ladies know what I'm talking about, that feeling, if you've had this surgery. After the surgery, I also had a lot of self-doubt. I almost felt ashamed of how I looked. We joke about our breasts all the time, but I second-guess myself. Am I less of a woman because of what I've been through? Will people stare at my chest if I don't wear a high-top neck shirt? The rippling in my chest due to failed fat grafting is apparent to anybody who looks. What will people think if they ever see my scars? So it took until my fifth session, the midway point of the program, for me to let Laura challenge me, to let Laura in. And once she broke through that mental barrier, I could do so much more physically than I ever thought possible. It took me that long to believe in myself. Without core compassion, I can't confidently stand here tonight and tell you that I'd feel like myself again. I can't confirm that I'd be confident ever again without core compassion. I can't openly tell you that I would come to love myself the way that I do tonight. Core compassion helped me heal and gain my full range of motion back, and I'm still working on it, but it did more than that. Every survivor, previvor, or anything in between that's been affected by cancer should have the opportunity to heal properly. In a perfect world, core compassion would be global and no woman would, or man would ever be turned away. During my final session in the project, I knew I was healthy again. Healthy is defined as a state of complete physical, mental, and emotional well-being, not just the absence of an illness or a disease. So this is my legacy. This is what I will pass down to my son and my daughter. They both have a 50% chance of inheriting my, inheriting my mutation. And I'm prepared to sit down and tell them the long story of their family's battle with breast cancer. And when I get to my portion of the story, I can't wait to tell them about the women at CORE who saw me as more than the, half moon, the two half-moon scars that remind me daily of the battle that I've won before it arrived. So I'm going to leave you with this tonight before I invite Jordan back up. We all have a scar in this room somehow touched by breast cancer or cancer. And it's either a physical scar on our own bodies or it's a mental or an emotional scar. And some of us love those scars and wave those flags bravely and some of us hide them every chance that we get. Regardless, they make us who we are. They tell our story down this journey. We've been cracked open, and here we are. We've survived. So when you look in your mirror and you see that scar, whether it's, again, emotional or it physically is on your body reminding you of what you've been through, I hope you know that you're a living proof of a miracle. And I encourage you to love and embrace that scar because it's part of your story. It's, it makes you different, and it makes you exactly who you are. So to the women at CORE, thank you, Laura. Laura, Jill, everybody. You guys are amazing. And incredible having you on this podcast today. Because of your passion and lessons in overcoming adversity, we're all better off from the time we've spent with you. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me directly. You can find me on LinkedIn or on my Facebook page at Jeff Gora Team USA. Thanks for listening to this chapter of Threshold Stories, Crossing Thresholds, One Story at a Time. Be ready to cross more thresholds with me in two weeks.